Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Uh, listen, man, my name is Taylor. I'm excited to be with you today. We get to get into this new sermon series that we're going to get into. Uh, but before we do that, did everybody have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah. Raise your hand if it was just the best Thanksgiving you ever had in your whole life. And if it was the worst, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Listen, if you didn't have a great Thanksgiving, it's okay. You have a whole other year until you have to worry about it again. So don't sweat it. You can move on to what is the most magical time of the year, Christmas time, right? Woo, indeed. The Christmas people are the loud people, so I can make that joke in any size room and people get hyped. So uh, question for you guys. Is anybody in here, if I call them Thanksgiving holdouts, but like you're not allowed to do anything Christmas until Thanksgiving is over. Raise your hand. The Bible says there's hope for you and we'll pray for you. No, I was the same way my whole life. And then last year, I'm on, I changed it up. I'm on something different. I'm all about the day after Halloween. It's Christmas time now talking about movies, what, nothing, movies, lights, all of it. I'm all about it. And I love Thanksgiving. Don't get me wrong. Some of you are really disgusting. You're going to walk out and that's okay. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. It's probably my favorite holiday, but there's not like Thanksgiving movies. There's not Thanksgiving songs, Thanksgiving lights. And I like all that. So Thanksgiving is now just part of Christmas time. You know what I mean? But that's how I am. Spooky season, Christmas season, nothing in between, right? Now this year, uh, I would say it's worse, but it probably isn't. It's probably the same. I just paid attention to it more. But uh, regarding spooky season, Halloween, I feel like people in church are real weird about, or a lot of them are real weird about Halloween, about the idea of Halloween. They don't like it. Uh, and I never really paid any attention because I really don't care. But uh, it was pointed out to me this year, so I started kind of keeping my eyes out. And it was. People like really don't like Halloween. And I, I can understand it because uh, you know, part of Halloween, there's, you know, scary movies and scary masks and costumes and this kind of thing, ghosts and whatever. Um, there is always that, like, kind of side of things where there's, you know, we're talking about haunting and evil and bad stuff. And I, like, I think that is too much. That's playing with fire. That's kind of silly, right? Uh, but I also think that if you look at the way most people in America experience Halloween, it's actually one of the coolest nights and things for the church to be a part of. Um, and I'll explain it to you this way. If you knew nothing about Christmas and you knew nothing about Halloween, and I was going to explain them to you, and I said, all right, here's the deal. We got two holidays, and the Thanksgiving is right in the middle just to cleanse your palate, right? So two different holidays, and this is how they shake down. One of them is fun for everybody. Uh, people get dressed up. Uh, some people put up decorations, but not that many people, so you don't really feel any pressure. You can if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, kids are going to, your kids are going to get some stuff and they're going to be super excited about it, but your family is also going to give a bunch of stuff out to a bunch of people that you don't know. And that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, it's not going to cost you very much. Uh, it's not going to be that stressful. Uh, we're still going to complain about how much it costs, but it's not that much. It's not going to be that stressful. Not really ever going to create that much drama. And you're going to spend the whole holiday just out in your community, in your neighborhoods, talking to people you don't normally talk to, interacting with people, teaching your kids to say thank you uh, and talk to people, look them in the eye. Uh, big just community building day, right? So that's one of those holidays. The other holiday is also fun for everybody. Sometimes people get dressed up. 
most people do decorate, so you're going to feel pressure to decorate at least a little bit, and that's all right. Now, you're probably, it doesn't have to be much, but you're probably going to go into a little bit of debt at least, just to make sure you have everything that you need for all the people that you need it for. It doesn't have to be a lot of debt, but it's going to be a little bit, you're going to be in the red a little bit for a bit, but that's going to be fine because it's fun. Uh, Tensions with your family at some point are probably going to be pretty high. They don't have to stay there, but they're going to get there pretty much guaranteed. Um, you're not really going to have any time for your neighbors, your community, and your friends and family, whatever, because you're going to be so focused on kind of you and your family and those things. Uh, And your kids are going to get stuff just like the other one, um, but they're probably not going to really give much unless you force them to do it. Uh, You're going to really have to put in a lot of work to teach them how to be grateful because the whole thing is kind of centered around them getting things, right? So if I were to explain them that way and tell you one of these is Jesus' holiday and one of these is the devil's holiday. Which would you think is which? I don't, I didn't, I'm sure I didn't fool you. Like, I, you, know, you know the deal. Uh, but I don't think the devil really needs Halloween. And I don't think it's his holiday. I think he has a pretty firm grasp on Christmas, so he doesn't need the other thing. And so uh, as we're getting ready to talk about this, and that's what this sermon series is going to be about. Um, you know, it's called How the Devil Steals Christmas. And we believe that the devil steals Christmas from us. And that's what we're going to talk about in this whole series. Um, and so we were, Steve was telling me about the series and how we're going to do this, what we're going to talk about. And he told me a story, and I hated it. And I was like, I'm absolutely not telling that at all. Uh, but I'm going to tell it. So <clears throat> there's a family in Boston. A couple of years, you know, I don't know how long ago. I'm imagining a number of years ago. Family in Boston. Um, they have a little boy, and he gets christened. I don't know what christening is. Um, I think it's like a church thing. It probably doesn't mean anything, but people get hype on christening. So... They christen this baby, they have a party, they get all their friends and family over to their house to celebrate their little boy being christened. And so everybody shows up, um, and unless you're going to a, part, a house party at somewhere where they're big old house with like a coat closet or you leave your stuff on the porch or whatever, most times what do you do? You walk in, there's a bedroom somewhere toward the front of the house, and you throw your stuff on a bed, your jacket, whatever, just keep it pushing, right? So it's Boston, it's wintertime, they're cold, they have coats, they all walk in, throw them on a bed, they're having their party. They eventually get into the party, and they're like, all right, bring the baby out. Let's go. Let's celebrate this guy. Show us our little, our little christened boy. And so they go to get him, and what they realized happened was the parents, before anybody had gotten there, had put that baby down for a nap on that bed, and everybody had thrown their coats on top of it. And under the weight of everybody's coats, the little boy had suffocated and died. And so everybody, yeah, oh. Everybody had showed up at this house, at this party, ready to celebrate this kid, and by not really paying attention to the kid, they had thrown their own stuff around and ended up smothering him. And I hate that story because I have a seven-month-old. And he told me that story, and I got, like, irked. And so if you come near my child and you're wearing a jacket, I'm ready to punch you in the mouth. So <laughs> look, like, just take that jacket off before you go in my house. That's all I'm saying, right? Leave it outside. But anyway, I hate it, but it's such a good example of what happens during Christmas time every year that I I felt like we needed to to talk about it because that's what we do, right? We have this season where we get to celebrate Jesus, the coming of of God. God himself became a human, came to earth. He was born as a human, as a baby, vulnerable, just like all of us, so that he could experience life the way we experience it, and he could save us uh, from what we need to be saved from. And we have this opportunity to celebrate it, but instead we smother him with all of our own stuff and our own traditions. And don't get me wrong, I love 
Christmas, I just told you, I love Christmas stuff. The lights, I love Christmas music in doses. I love Christmas movies a lot. Um, I love the Christmas tree. I literally, in my apartment, we'll, we'll, we have our tree up, and I will sit in the living room and just stare at the tree just with, like, with my mouth open like something's wrong with me. Just. And I have my son. I'm training my son to do the same thing, so we just sit there, two just baldies staring at this tree. So I love all that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of the festivities surrounding Christmas, but we get so caught up in those things that we kind of forget to keep the main thing the main thing. And this is not a new concept. You've heard this before, right? Every third Christmas movie uh, is about we've lost the meaning of Christmas. And some cute kid and a puppy have to go off and they have to find it, right? And so that's, we, we, we hear about that all the time. We've lost the meaning of Christmas. We lost Christ out of Christmas and we have to go find him. Um, and that's basically the concept that we're talking about, but I have one issue with it. Uh, I don't like the word lost, because I think about, you know, we lost the meaning of Christmas. We lost what Christmas is really about. Uh, to me, that means we misplaced it, right? Like your phone or your keys or your child when you're, you know, not paying attention. Uh, I don't think we misplaced it. I don't think it's lost. I want to convince you today that your Christmas is being stolen. Like the meaning of Christmas is intentionally being taken away from you. I'm going to say it this way, and if you're from church, this is going to sound weird. If you're not from church, this is still going to sound weird. We're going to say it anyway. At Journey Church, we believe in the devil. We don't worship the devil. We believe that he's real. If you believe that what the Bible says is true, then you have to believe that there is an enemy of your soul, that the devil is real. The Bible says that his name is Satan, which means accuser and adversary. The Bible calls him the God of this world. He calls him the great deceiver. And the Bible says that the devil is your enemy, specifically your enemy, right? So in the book of 1 Peter, the Bible says this, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, all right? He says your enemy, and that, that part of that verse has never stuck out to me until this, uh, but that's really powerful. He says your enemy. He doesn't say our enemy, the enemy, the collective enemy, right? It is your enemy enemy. He is after you. He's an enemy to you, and he's an enemy to God. He wants to separate you from God, and he wants to come against everything that God has created. And so where Christmas is set up as a celebration of the coming of Jesus. And I want to be just on, I want to address it with whoever in here is talking about like, well, Christmas isn't really his birthday. Christmas was a pagan holiday that we took, so they'd stop celebrating bad things. I'm going to tell you, that's fine. And it's, I'm sure it's true. Uh, I wasn't there. For my whole life, and for your whole life, and for the whole life of everybody you've ever met, that day has always been Christmas, and it's always been about celebrating the birth of Jesus. And so we're just going to stick with what the real world is right now and not focus on where it came from. So Christmas, if we're supposed to celebrate Jesus there, you would imagine that it would look a lot like Christ. It would have Jesus-like qualities, but the enemy has distorted it and made it the exact opposite. And this is what I mean. In the Bible, there are two different sections uh, called the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so if you're not used to the Bible, you don't know what any of that means. The Old Testament is everything that happened up until the time that Jesus was born and his ministry on earth. And then the New Testament is when Jesus comes um, and, and his whole ministry on earth and everything that comes after that. The Bible says that Jesus came and he brought with him a new covenant, which is what we live in today. It's one where Jesus came and just like we sang about in Coming Home, he came He died for our sins. Uh, When God sees us now, he sees holy because of what Jesus had done. 
Well, we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us and with us, that we get to have a relationship with the Lord personally. That's the new covenant. That's what we live in now. Before Jesus, it was the old covenant. And part of that covenant, the Old Testament, was prophets. Prophets were people who God would speak to, and then those prophets would then tell everybody what God said because people didn't have a personal relationship with God like we get to now. So one of those prophets in the Old Testament, his name was Isaiah. And in Isaiah, he tells us about Jesus. He tells, you know, he tells us what God said about the coming of Jesus. And this is way before Jesus was ever born. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Right now that is who Jesus is going to be. It's who he was uh, when he was on earth, and it's who he is today in the relationship that we get to have with him. I was just reading this morning in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever and always. So this is who Jesus is, right? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And if Christmas is going to be about him, it should look like him a little bit, right? It should have the same kind of tendencies, the same things about it that Christ has about him. And so let's look at each of these one at a time. So the first one is what? Wonderful counselor. Everybody say wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. So if you were to spend, let's say you're a Thanksgiving Day holdout, and you're going to spend one month in the presence of a counselor, just a good counselor, a person who is good at counseling, you spend a full month just locked into a good counselor, what should the impact of that be? Your mental health should be just off the charts good, right? Your depression should be all-time low, stress all-time low, anxiety all-time low. Your coping mechanisms should be on Point. Your relationships with your family and the people around you should be on the mend. You should be in such a good headspace, right? If you spend a month with the wonderful counselor, you should see like miraculous growth in your mentality in that time. But what does Christmas look like instead for most people? Stress is all-time high. Anxiety, all-time high. Depression, all-time high. Our relationships are super strained. Our coping mechanisms go to crap. And what happens, we end up so far away from looking like we're spending time with a wonderful counselor. We actually need him the most. So what about, uh, what about the other one? So the next one was mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. <laughs> mighty God. What does that mean? So mighty God is A, worthy of all your praise, worthy of all your adoration. And it's also something that you would base your life on. But we did baptisms last week for everybody who saw it uh, here in Montgomeryville um, we did baptisms last week where people got baptized, and that was a symbol of them saying, I am putting God in that place of a mighty God. I'm going to base my life on what he says. I'm going to live to please him. I'm going to live to serve him. I'm going to lead my family towards him. That's a mighty God. It affects everything that you do. And what happens during Christmas time is we create what's called idols. We make idols out of things. And an idol is anything that you put in the place of a mighty God. And so we put our traditions in the place of God. We worship our traditions. We put our family in the place of a mighty God. We make idols out of how many gifts we have under the tree, how many lights we have, how many decorations we have, how many cool pictures do we have of our family doing fun things on the internet so people know that we're really good and Christmassy and awesome. We make idols out of all kinds of things that don't mean much, and we separate ourselves from the mighty God. Uh, what else is there? The everlasting Father. Everybody say Everlasting Father. 
This is an easy one. Everlasting father. He's the perfect father. When do most people have most conflict with their families? During Christmas time. That's an easy one. And the next one is he is the prince of peace. Everybody say prince of peace. Prince of peace. Where Jesus goes, peace follows. He says that there is a hope in Jesus that serves as an anchor for our souls. There is peace in that that surpasses, the Bible says, all understanding. But we got gifts to buy. And then we got to wrap those gifts. And then we got to stick those gifts under a tree, which means we got to buy a tree or cut one down or put one together or whatever your thing is. And then we got to decorate that tree. And then we got to, you know, while we're decorating the tree, we got to decorate the rest of the house and the, the outside and the inside and everything that we own and have access to. We got to make sure we decorate it. And then we got to make our plans. We go, where are we going to go? Who are we going to go with? What are we going to eat? Who is, who's bringing what? Who's invited? Who's not invited? How are we going to see those people? When are we going to see those things? How are we going to do this and that or whatever? And we do all these things and we don't leave any room for the Prince of Peace. And so the truth is, some of you might be really good at all of these things. I think most of you are probably good in one of these areas. Uh, but I think most people, their experience with Christmas is the exact opposite of what it should be of who Jesus is. It's the exact opposite. And to me, that means that it's under attack. And I'll explain why I think that. I think that because uh, things will naturally tend away from what they should be if left to their own devices. You know what I mean? We've, kind of, we've talked about that before, I think. But um, if you're grass, right? If you don't cut your grass, if you don't take care of your lawn, it will turn into the jungle, period, Right? You have to be intentional about taking care of it. If you don't pick up inside your house and clean up and make sure you stay all right, your house will get super gross. If you don't anything in there, right? If you don't make sure you're eating the right things and doing the right things with your body, you will get super unhealthy. And so everything left to itself is going to tend towards, we call it, you know, I would say it tends towards chaos and away from order. You have to create order, right? And so that happens in the natural world and that's fine. But when anything is the exact opposite, like the exact opposite of what it should be, to me that happens on purpose. That's not just nature taking over and tending towards something bad. That's happening on purpose. It's an indication that the enemy is coming after you. And that is the whole purpose of what we're talking about today. Like my whole goal today is to convince you that you are in a fight, that something is being taken from you. And I want to convince you of that because if you know you're in a fight, you can fight back. If you know something's being taken from you, you can take it back. But if you're not aware, you can't fight back. You can't push back on that. This is what the Bible says. Jesus says this in the book of Mark. He says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. I want to tell you, some of you, your house is being plundered. Your Christmas is being plundered. Your family is being plundered. And it's because we've allowed ourselves to get tied up with things that don't really matter, things that seem super important, things that seem super fun, things that seem like uh, what we really, really want, but things that are ultimately leaving you empty and they're allowing the truth of what Christmas should be and who Jesus should be in your life year-round, not just on Christmas, but you're allowing that to be taken from you. Uh, there's a pastor named Mark Driscoll, and he said one time, or a lot of times he says it, I think it's really interesting, he says that the only things that the devil has to offer you uh, or to tempt you with, it's just a counterfeit of something that God created that's actually good, right? God created the world and everything in it, and he created things that are intent for us to enjoy, for the pure purpose of our enjoyment. He created a lot of things that way, and they're supposed to be enjoyed in a specific way, 
right? Uh, the devil wants to offer you a counterfeit. He wants to steal that from you and give you something else in its place. Now, I'll explain it this way. Uh, a guitar, right? So TJ, he was standing over here in the green sweater earlier playing a guitar, just slamming and jamming as one does when they're playing the guitar, getting down. So on that guitar, TJ's good at playing guitar, and so it sounds nice, right? On that guitar, it has six strings and then a bunch of little shiny things up and down it. Those are called frets. That's how it makes notes. And six strings, whole bunch of frets, that guitar has a bunch of notes on it. And how a guitar works is you put your fingers down on the strings and you hold down a couple different notes and then that creates a chord. You strum it, it sounds really pretty and it's great, right? If you do it the right way, most combinations of notes on a guitar sound awful. Like most things on a guitar aren't gonna sound good. So if you pick up a guitar and you just put your fingers down wherever they fall, wherever you want to, and you strum through it, it's going to sound like hot, hot garbage. It doesn't mean the guitar is broke. It doesn't mean the guitar is not good. It doesn't mean it doesn't sound pretty. It doesn't mean the music is bad. It just means you're not doing it the right way. But what Satan does is he sneaks in and he convinces you that that's hateful, that that's wrong, that you shouldn't have to do it a specific way. You should be able to do it however you want it. And so he hands you a Guitar Hero controller. He says, get down on this. It'll never sound bad. And so you do, you strap up and you're shredding and doing your thing, you know, air guitaring all as much as you want to, hearing your little click, 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 click sound, and you're like, that don't sound that bad. That's fine. It never sounds bad. And you're having fun with it at first, and eventually you realize it never sounds bad, ever. But it also never sounds good. It's just a placeholder. It's a counterfeit of something that's supposed to be really beautiful. And instead, it's just kind of nothing, and it leaves you empty. And that is how Satan steals from you. He offers you a counterfeit of what God has created for your good and for his glory. And that's how he's stealing Christmas, right? So uh, we're looking at this sermon, figuring out, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to preach through this thing? And I just started thinking about, I feel like God was leading me toward the fruit of the Spirit. So uh, raise your hand if you heard of the fruit of the Spirit before. Awesome. So the fruit of the Spirit is, uh, the Bible talks about it, it is where the Spirit of God is, these things are as well. If, if the Spirit of God indwells inside of you, these things should be evident in your life. Where the Spirit of God is, these things are at. And so in Galatians is where we learn about it. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So those are the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to bring them up on the screen on the back here over on this side. And so these are the fruit of the Spirit. Um, these are the things that should be evident and, and in place wherever the Spirit of God is, right? So love, joy, peace, patience. So forbearance, I've never heard that word outside of the Bible, and I don't know if it's a real word anymore. So we replaced it with patience. Uh, we're, not, we're, we're not, you know, changing the Bible on you, I promise. That's what that means. So patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Where the Spirit of God is, these things are there. These are the fruit of the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God is part of your Christmas celebration, then these things should be part of your Christmas. It should be full of love and joy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, kindness, patience. That should define your Christmas. But remember... Satan wants to steal this from you. The devil wants to take that from you, and he wants to replace it with a counterfeit. Now, there's a food that is infamously attached to Christmas time. I have never seen it outside of Christmas, and I see it every year on Christmas, and I don't know who's buying it because it's atrocious, but every year it resurfaces. You guys know what I'm talking about? 
fruitcake. Somebody last experience said asparagus. I was like, that's something, something different. We're on something different. We can talk about that one later, though. So not asparagus, it's fruitcake, right? Fruitcake. I was not convinced that fruitcake was a real dessert or whatever it is uh, until I was 26 and somebody sent one to the office that I worked at. Um, and I saw it in real life. I was like, oh, it's, it's real, right? And so I thought it was just a joke. And so somebody sends us, I worked at a, a company and our customers would, you know, in Christmas time, sometimes they would send us, you know, whatever, you know, fruit baskets and that kind of thing, you know, Christmas stuff as, as people tend to do. So um, they send a, people send a fruitcake. I now think it was uh, like a sarcastic fruitcake. I think they were mad, but I don't think they liked us. And they were like, eat this fruitcake. So anyway, they send us this fruitcake. Everybody's just joking about it. Oh, it's so bad. Throw it away, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, hold on. It can't be that bad, right? I'll eat it. It's, I, it's fruit. I like fruit. And I like cake. I don't see the problem. And so I cut a little slice off of there. I was skeptical based on how it looks. Took a bite, and it was awful. It was atrocious. It was genuinely among the worst things I've ever had in my life. Top five worst experiences ever, right? And so if you're like me at 26 and you never experienced fruitcake, I want to show you a picture of fruitcake. So this is a fruitcake over here. So this is what fruitcake looks like. And let me, let me, let me point out, like, what my problems with it are. So first off is this. This is supposed to be fruit. There is no fruit in the world that is that color. I thought maybe kiwi. No, that's not kiwi colored. That's a Jolly Rancher. You'll never convince me it's not a Jolly Rancher. That's messed up. This one over here, that's supposed to be either a cherry tomato or a cherry itself because the pit is missing. It's a gobstopper, definitely, or some kind of gumdrop. This is not right. This is not fruit. Back in here, all these dark spots, I think these are olives. That's not a fruit. That's a nut. That's a, either a, I thought it was a walnut. Somebody said it's a pecan. Pecan. I don't know how to say pecan right. Pecan. Uh, and I don't like it. So either way, I have a problem with fruitcake. And the problem with fruitcake is not the cake. Because the cake is whatever. It's fine. The problem with fruitcake is the fruit. It's not fruit. Like it, it's not fruit. It's not real fruit. It may have started its life as fruit. It did not stay that way. It underwent some kind of a diabolical process to become whatever it is now, right? So I imagine somewhere in a creepy basement in a big glass jar, which I've watched enough movies to know, that's where things go down, right? When something bad happens, it's there. And so they put it all in the jar, and they do something to this fruit, and it turns it into whatever that is. And then they put it in cake, and they sell it to us, and we all hate it, and we grow closer together because we all hate fruitcake. <laughs> And so that is what the devil does with the fruit of the Spirit. It's the same thing. He puts it through a process. And there's a reason. I think it's funny that during Christmas time is the only time you see fruitcake, right? I'm not saying it's because of this, but you can't prove that it's not because of this. And so <laughs> Satan takes the fruit of the Spirit, and he doesn't want us to have that. He wants us to have a counterfeit of it. That is counterfeit fruit. Like in the real world, whatever fruits those used to be, they're not anymore. That is counterfeit. And he wants to do that with all of these. He wants to give us a counterfeit version of that. And so instead of just giving us counterfeits, he combines it all. So this is what he does. He takes love, and instead of love, he gives us jealousy and competition. He takes joy, he puts it in his jar, and he turns it into depression. He takes peace, he messes it up and gives us stress. He takes patience, and he turns it into hurry and worry. 
He takes kindness, puts it in his jar, turns it into preoccupation. We are so preoccupied with our plans, with our families, with our traditions, with ourselves, that we have no room for kindness. He takes goodness, and he turns it into greed. He takes faithfulness, and it becomes selfishness. He takes gentleness, it becomes forcefulness. This is what we're doing. This is what we're eating. This is where we're going. This is how it's going to be. If you don't like it, we'll see you next year. And he takes self-control, and he couldn't think of anything for that one, so he just gets rid of it. <laughs> and he knows you won't take all of this as it is. You'll never look at love and jealousy and choose jealousy instead. You'll never look at peace and stress and choose stress instead. But if he takes all of these and he combines them and he stuffs it into a nasty-looking cake, he knows that we'll eat it hand over fist because it's iced and movies and lights and nostalgia and all kinds of fun stuff that on their own are just fine. There's nothing wrong with Christmas movies, Christmas lights, the fun, you know, being a kid, getting gifts, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But we're letting it mask the taste of everything that Satan's trying to give us. It's foul. And so I want to encourage you. Or not encourage you. I want to challenge you. I'll encourage you later. So I want to challenge you. Look at these rows. The row on the left or the columns right here. Look, look at these. There's love, joy, peace, patience, jealousy, depression, stress. Which of those defines your Christmas more than the other? Just figure out where, where, where do you fall on that scale? Which side of that do you, do you tend to fall to? I think most of us, if we're honest, our holiday season looks like what's over here on the right side. We let it get there. And the question is why? Why does the devil care? Why would the devil intentionally attack Christmas? Why would the devil come after that? And the truth is, it's the same reason why this is so important for us to pay attention to. Because he knows he can get a lot of work done in a little bit of time by taking Christmas from you. Because if you will spend your Christmas season focused in on the presence of Jesus and who Jesus really is, if you will spend that month or two months if you're like me and you don't care about Thanksgiving that much, if you will spend that time in the presence of a wonderful counselor, of an everlasting father, of a mighty God, and of a prince of peace, and you will put that first. Do all the fun stuff still, but put that first. He knows that you will experience the love and goodness of God in a way that you can never deny. He knows that if you experience how good God is, if you experience what God created for you to enjoy in all of its complexity, in all of its depth, in all of his goodness, that there's nothing that Satan can tempt you with there's no counterfeit that he can offer you that you'll ever be tempted to take again. That's not to say the temptation goes away, but when you experience the goodness of God, that's where you want to stay, and he knows that. And if he can keep you from that, he will. And so my challenge to you this season, this Christmas, is choose the fruit. Choose the fruit and throw out the cake. Watch your movies. Listen to your music. Put your lights up. Get your Christmas tree up. Stare at it absentmindedly like I do. That's all fine. But underneath of all of it, remember, the most important thing is not that your kid gets every present that they ever wanted. The most important thing is not that every single person has exactly what they want to eat at Christmas dinner. The most important thing is not that your Instagram is full of pictures of your family doing cool, fun things. All of those things are fine. But the most important thing is the goodness of Christ in your life. That Jesus came in the song that we sang 
coming home, we get to sing it, we get to know it, we get to mean it. That when God sees us, he sees holy. He doesn't see our history. He doesn't see everything we've ever done wrong. He sees his son, Jesus, because his son, Jesus, came to earth, was born as a human baby, grew up on earth, faced every trial that we've ever faced, was tempted with all the same things that we are tempted with, was under the same world that we are, and he overcame all of it. And he stands in between us and between God the Father, and he says, there with me. So in this place, we can all stand up. Together, we're going to close our eyes, bow our heads. And it's not, nothing weird is going to happen, I promise. Nobody's going to try to pickpocket you. This is just a moment that we want to spend uh, in the presence of God together. If you're in this place right now and you know that Jesus is your Savior, you believe all of this is true, this is your church, this is what you know to be true, I want to encourage you just in this time right now, just be praying. Pray for two things. Pray that just thanks. Pray thanks to God for what he did, that Jesus came, that you get to live in the freedom that you live in now, that you get to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that you get to live in that. Thank you for everything that he had to do for you to live in it. And the other part of it is, pray that he'll do that in somebody's life today. Whether it's right now in this room, right now in Montgomeryville, right now somebody online, somebody who watches back way later. Pray that he would do that same thing. That the Spirit of God would come alive in somebody. That they would come to know Jesus in a real way And they would learn what that feels like to stand before God and know that he sees you as holy even though you are not. And as they're praying, I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't believe any of this, if you're just here out of obligation or because you got tempted with food afterwards or somebody's been bugging you, you just want to get off your back, you're in the right place. We're happy that you are here. You're the reason that we have church. And I think somebody today in Montgomeryville, in this room, watching online, somebody has felt that tugging on the spirit. In the verse of that song or in the chorus, we say that you stand at the door of my heart. The Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And all you have to do is let him in. And so I think somebody is starting to feel that today. And it could have been while we were singing these songs. Maybe you were here in the presence of God and and we're singing the glory of who he is. And it's so uncomfortable for you. It's so different than anything you've experienced. And you just know that there's something so real in that moment. That's something you can't deny is happening and you need to respond to it. But you don't know how. For some of y'all, it was when you pulled in today and somebody smiled at you and waved at you and told you where to park and helped you get where you needed to go. And maybe that's the first time you felt wanted in weeks, days, months. For some of you, it's in what we've been talking about right now. You see the names of Christ, the wonderful counselor. And I, I, I want that. I want to spend time with the wonderful counselor. I want to have an everlasting father. I want to enjoy, I want help from the prince of peace. I need, to, I need a mighty God. You read through the fruit of the spirit. You're like, that's what I want my life to, not just my Christmas. That's what I want my life to look like. I want to experience peace. I want to experience joy. I want to experience love. I want to have patience. I want to be able to be gentle with people. I want to have self-control. I want to tell you, God wants that for you. 
You don't have to prove anything to God. We have this idea that we have to clean ourselves up before we come to the Lord. We have to prove that, that we really want it. We have to prove that we're good enough. Let me, I didn't, I didn't read the Bible this morning, so let me go home and I'll read it later and then I'll you know, see if God wants anything to do with me. That's not how God works. He wants you right now, where you are at. He wants to meet you there and he wants to bring you along. He wants to set his Holy Spirit on fire inside of you. And he wants to set these fruit loose in your life. And so if that's you, if you're feeling that, that tug on your heart, that burning inside, that feeling that, man, I got I to gotta respond. Something is different. Something is changing. And I need, I need to, to accept that. I need to do something with it. I want to tell you, we're going to pray together. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And that's all. You don't have to do a song and dance. You don't have to pay the church a bunch of money. You don't have to come to some class. You don't have to subscribe to something. You don't have to read some special book. Just the Bible. All you have to do is just accept Jesus and invite him into your heart. And so we're going to pray together. But before we do that, I want to give you the opportunity in this room at Montgomeryville to just raise your hand and let us know that we're praying with you, that you want to experience Jesus, that you want to let him into your heart. If you're watching online, you can just type it into the chat that we're watching with you or that, that, that we can be praying with you. I want to give you a minute. If you're, in, if you're in this place and you know Jesus, just keep praying. Just keep praying that God would do something. All right. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for everything that you made Jesus to be. God, we're so grateful that we don't have to be enough. That when you see us, you see holy because you see Jesus. As we keep praying, God, just thank you for this place that we get to be in your presence. This moment that we get to worship you, we get to honor you, we get to learn from you. Jesus, I pray for everybody in here, God, that you would just open our eyes to what's happening. Lord, that you would open our eyes to uh, the enemy moving against you, moving against us and our families, moving against our Christmas, God, and that in this time, we wouldn't be so focused on the gifts, we wouldn't be so focused on the decorations, Lord, and the family and the traditions, God, but we would just be focused on you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to experience Christmas the way that you want us to. Help us to experience you the way that we should. Help us to experience Jesus in a real way. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's clap together. We say goodbye to Montgomeryville. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.